When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. everyone. My name is Allison Graves and welcome to Coronavirus in Florida, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. This episode was released on Monday, April 27th. On this show, we'll talk to experts and reporters, share the facts behind the spread of the virus and discuss what could happen next. Today, nursing homes in Florida. In the last month, coronavirus has wreaked havoc on elder care facilities across the state. As of today's recording, there have been 2,934 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in long-term care facilities, which has resulted in 311 deaths. Reporters at the Tampa Bay Times have identified two high-profile cases in Pinellas County. At least eight residents have died and 95 patients have been evacuated from the Seminole Pavilion Rehabilitation Nursing Home, which is part of the sprawling Freedom Square retirement community. And at St. Mark Village in Palm Harbor, 13 residents and eight staff members have tested positive for coronavirus. The first resident tied to St. Mark Village died from the virus on April 23rd. Today, we're going to talk with local accountability reporter Mark Puente, who has been following this story from the beginning. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, So, Mark, can you kind of just go through what's been going on at these uh, Pinellas elder care facilities in the last two weeks? What's happened here in the past two weeks is the virus has triggered outbreaks in several facilities. We've seen the past uh, month or so, there's been many more deaths and outbreaks in South Florida nursing homes and long-term facilities. But it's been kind of quiet here. In the past two weeks, there's been... Uh, several centers, one in Seminole and one in Palm Harbor, where officials had to go in and transfer more than 100 people from those facilities to local hospitals. Unfortunately, since those transfers have occurred, nine of those residents have passed away from the COVID virus. How did you break the first story about Seminole Pavilion Rehabilitation Nursing Home? The story initially broke on a local political website. And as soon as we've seen it, we jumped in and started working sources. And we've been following it from day one because the state and the local health department have not really been transparent in putting out information. But fortunately, uh, we have sources, including many of mine, who have been feeding the information in real time. For example, Tampa Bay Times has been the first to report a few times that uh, line ambulances were showing up at centers and they were going to start mass evacuations. I'm thankful to have sources who trust us to get this information out as it breaks. 
So at the two facilities in Tampa Bay, around 115 people ended up being evacuated. Can you explain to listeners how they managed to do that? The, the biggest uh, number of patients came out of Seminole Rehabilitation Pavilion, which is part of a sprawling campus that has independent center and a nursing center. They, uh, according to county officials, the center was hesitant on transferring of individuals at first. And once officials got involved, they ordered them to be evacuated. What they did is they uh, summoned a bunch of ambulances and first responders wearing PPE. They went in there and took the individuals out and transported them all to hospitals. They have since closed that building down uh, to disinfect it and clean it. But even though they've moved individuals to hospitals, uh, people have continued to die and contract the virus in that center. And then at St. Mark Village, they they evacuated only a portion of the people there. Is that right? They've evacuated. Uh, the first round was about seven. Then a uh, night or two later, last week, it was seven. And then late Friday, they were evacuating, I recall, the number being nine. Because they did that, the state health department showed up that day, along with the National Guard, to test more patient employees. And the director there Friday told me that the state health department asked them to get rid of or to transport all of the patients who tested virus. That way they would, the facility could get rid of all the positive cases and then try to minimize the spread in this rest of the building. Do we know any of the results of the testing that's been happening by the Florida National Guard? We don't. Uh, the Florida National Guard and Florida Health Department have not been releasing much information. I pestered them last week with questions on how many people would be tested, how soon can we get the results, and would the public be notified, and uh, it's been crickets on their part. You know, you touched on this, but, like, how difficult has it been to get data from the state about nursing homes? It's been extremely difficult. The local health department here won't share any details. Uh, you ask them multiple questions, emails, voicemails. They don't respond. Uh, the, then somebody from the state level will call and say, hey, sorry, we can't say anything. It's just baffling as a local accountability reporter and other journalists who work on this that you think the state and local government would want people to know what's going on. It's been kind of uh, sad to be bombarding, and thankfully they're bombarding us uh, from relatives who are uh, waiting to hear information on their loved ones in these centers. They've also been informing us uh, in real time on what's happening. It's kind of heartbreaking uh, for individuals who are a thousand miles away to, to ask reporters, hey, where's my father? We can't find him or my mother. It's kind of uh, troubling. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you talk to anyone who has family in these two facilities, but it's not really just the two facilities. Uh, it's really any facility in the state, given the lack of info. So that brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. So last Saturday, the state did release a list of uh, long-term facilities with confirmed COVID-19 cases. Can you talk a little bit about that list? Does it tell us much? No, frankly, as a reporter, I don't trust that data because it wasn't data. It was just a list of a bunch of facilities broken down by counties. And uh, myself and several of our colleagues jumped in uh, on that Monday and called about 45 of the centers to see if they would share how much uh, data or information they would, would on the testing and how many patients have come down with the disease. And uh, a handful of those centers said they didn't have any positive tests. They were working to get removed off the list. There's a lot of confusion around these numbers. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I think, too, it's kind of like the one resource that is available. So a lot of people are like citing it, but it sounds like everything you just said, it's like doesn't even seem like it's worth citing almost in a story. 
it's now because it's unreliable. You know, you know that saying about you, you get out what you put into it, so it's bad data going in, it's bad data coming out. And some centers don't like the fact that they're listed on a list that shows they have positive cases when they say they don't. So, again, it's kind of troubling to, to learn to figure out how the state and the local health departments in these counties are reporting the data, recording it, reporting it, and then disseminating it to the public. It's not very reliable. So do we really know the true scope of this problem? Based on all the reporting that I have done and talking to our colleagues, I would say no, because we're still being contacted by relatives who still can't get information out of these centers. And they're going outraged by the day when uh, there's little or no information shared. At Freedom Square, the individual running the operation uh, was sending updates to his to his family, the relatives, the families, and their employees were uh, the updates were praising himself, and, and that appalled the uh, people hundreds of, or thousands of miles from here that are getting updates by relatives and praising the director, but no information on individuals who were transferred. So, what's next? Who are you talking to as the story progresses? Well, luckily, the Pinellas County government officials have been very helpful in sharing information and answering questions. Unlike the state health department, which has a local arm in every county, uh, the county officials, when we ask questions, are responsive and respond near instantaneous time and tell us what's going on. Uh, I'm checking with sources every day, as others are, to see if any other places will be evacuated uh, because of an outbreak. We know there's a couple that are on kind of a watch list. They know there's hot spots, mm-hmm. but they're trying to get a handle on it. But uh, hopefully nobody else gets transferred under a mass evacuation, but we will report it if it does happen. And so just to round uh, off this conversation, so the two uh, facilities where people were evacuated, so most of those people are in hospitals in the Tampa Bay area right now. Is there any other update to the status of uh, those two facilities that you think the listeners would want to know about? When they were transferred to hospitals throughout the county, and I reported uh, late Friday in Saturday's paper that uh, Pinellas County is working with the, the hospitals in the county to prepare for more of these cases because the COVID-19 peak was less severe than anticipated or projected. The hospitals do have beds available for these patients if an outbreak does occur. Uh, so they are working and anticipating there could be more. Well, Mark, thank you so much for all the reporting that you've been doing to get these stories out. It's really important, um, obviously. Uh, But I also thank you for your time here today. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, folks, that does it for today's episode. Remember, for the latest information on coronavirus in Florida, you can visit tampabay.com slash coronavirus. We're officially up and running on almost all podcast platforms. So please subscribe, rate and review us. This has been Coronavirus in Florida. Thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.